make a great first impression by looking after the front of your home. Yep, and just get it looking polished. And easiest way to do that is to walk across to the other side of the street and look back at your house. Uh-huh. Attention. Going one, going twice, Guys, welcome back to the Property Pod, your weekly engagement into real estate here in the Hobart Marketplace. If you had joined us beforehand, you would have been into your weekly update about video games from the 1990s. <laughs> but we are here talking real estate today. That is the topic of uh, discussion, John and Pat. Unless you want to hit me with your favourite 1990s video game. I've actually Don't been thinking we should be doing two podcasts, the 10 minutes before we start recording. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then the actual podcast. Yeah. Can I say, so last week uh, we had Drew Evans on the show and I wasn't here um, for the interview. I set you guys up and then had to run off to a baby scan. But editing the video together like the 10 minutes before the episode and the 10 minutes after were the best bits. Like it was a really good episode. It was really great, everything that was happening in there. But it's almost like you've got your like, yeah, I'm a bit more relaxed. I can actually talk without kind of being in like my Darren Hinch mode of being Andrew Denton. It makes sense, yeah. Behind the scenes coming soon. Yeah, well, it'd it'd probably be better. No, no, not better. It was still a great episode. Thanks, Drew, for coming on. It was heaps of fun. Um, And we we should reach out and and get further adventures with Drew Evans from Kaifu Property. Mm -hmm. But listening to the first time, it's like, man... I only could edit this stuff into it, yeah. Yeah. So, and I know even from his perspective too. Like as a guest, you're trying to be on your your best behaviour. I guess you want to get your best stuff out. But ironically, the more you relax, if we just it it just flows naturally anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the dude was full of good stuff. Actually, it would be very funny to go like if I was just to hit the record button without you guys knowing for the ten minutes beforehand (laughs) how long it would take you to get (laughs) cancelled. Are you saying we're not appropriate? Oh, I'm just saying when the mics are off and, you know, we're talking things from our past or video games or, or things like that, you know, anything could happen. Anything could come out. So. I'd like to think our listeners are open-minded. <laughs> we could have a, um, a, a real Trump moment. <laughs> Speaking of Trump, actually, just um, this past week uh, at 414, we had the uh, TCCI um other personality. I was really interested where you were yeah, going. No, no. Don't worry, I had a runway, I had a runway. We had the, um, yeah, the... Um, disc training. Disc training, yeah. So do you want to kind of give us a, a rundown of, of what we did and, and let listeners know? Yeah, so for anyone that uh, don't know what we're talking about, we did training last Thursday and we did disc training, which is like personality training. So yeah. uh, most of the team... Pre- participated and we all had to fill out a questionnaire prior to attending the training so mm. it was, i think it was 85 about questions 80 right? questions yeah in and the you have to answer them relatively fast so the idea is not to really think too hard about the questions just yeah well it's just kind of you know rank these words in the most importance to you to the least important you yeah. kind of flick them in and, and yeah. end up with kind of a personality profile on, on yourself and then yeah it generates this report and it gives you a personality profile which is broken down into four categories yeah so the disc kind of stands for dominance influence uh, steadiness or consci- conscientiousness. Consci- conscientiousness. Yeah, there you go. What a <laughs> word. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and kind of each of those fit into a, a personality profile. And in the uh, dominance one, you might be able to guess, but um, Donald J. Trump was uh, one of the key examples that they used for there that. There you go. <laughs> so, um, look, there are other ones. Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of your heroes, was in, in that area. Judge Judy, Oprah. Yep. So... It's, it's not all bad if you're a no, D. No. 
I think I think the large part of those traits for Darth that Vader as well. I think is if you look at I was going to say the other one, the Star Wars version is is Vader is is there. Yep. I uh, think C three PO's compliance from memory. Yeah. <laughs> Chewbacca for steadiness and Han Solo for influence. So no. Yeah. Actually, do, are you guys happy to talk about where you sit on the I'm, disc profile? Yeah, I'm, yeah. You're a straight up Vader. No, I was influencer first. So uh-huh. Han Solo followed by Vader. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Because I think because I was the I was the same, but I had um, it was influence and then uh, conscientious um, con- conscientiousness. Yes. So that um, veered more so into the um, well, what did it say here as a summary? Um, yeah, which is kind of strange. Analytical, reserved, precise, private, systematic. Which, if I mean, if you, you know me, that doesn't make any sense at all. But when I Think about what makes me feel comfortable because um, there's so many other elements to it as well, which um, one of the my sub-profiles was that I'm very attuned to the environment around me. So also um, very attuned to the way that people's emotions, how people feel. Yeah. So I see that in the social inter- But also um, in a messy environment, that really affects me more than I actually well, recognise. I'm glad you we counteract each other because my emotional intelligence was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When I need guidance morally, John, I'll yeah, come talk to you. We just, just balance each other well on that front, you know. And look, it was yeah. interesting, yeah, going across the board and, and kind of if you did like a scatter graph of where everybody sat, there were, yeah, areas where we had really high strengths and then weaknesses in other Absolutely. spaces. Oh, nay. No. I was just going to say like uh, across the, the board, like, yeah, it's good to have people in every category. Mm-hmm. So we only had one person, I believe, that fell into the D category, the Donald Trump category, which was Aaron Murray. Yeah. Ah. And he's coming to work this week. You won't hear us when he said this. And he's like, typical D move, Pat. Do you know what I've done? I was like, what have you done, mate? I've changed my ringtone. So I wake up to people applauding me. <laughs> 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 like, you are an absolute idiot. <laughs> you could say you're an absolute D. <laughs> One of the biggest days I've met. So he said, every morning now I wake up to people cheering for me. <laughs> it's, like, it's interesting because, yeah, he seemed to kind of be a bit um, miffed off when he read through his profile thing and, and didn't seem to be fully on board. But I think by the end of the day, breaking it down a bit more and I speaking. think we all were. Like I read mine and Patrick needs more help in this. Patrick, and like it, you, you read it and you're like, oh, shit, I'm failing in everything. Yeah, but yeah. I think then you discover that there is – like with this, there's no right or wrong. No, no it's, it's just different. understanding how to work with other people once you know what they are. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's even, the interesting part. Even kind of as my brain was ticking over, I was like, I often think when I'm writing emails, I'm like, man, I sound like such a whiny little bee. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just that's writing. That's how I read all of them. <laughs> yeah, no, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what I thought was, like, oh, what if I could kind of write my email the way I write it and then pump it through an AI or chat GPT and write like, Please write this in the form of uh, someone who responds in a D, <laughs> yeah, in a direct or an manner. I, or an S, or a C, and yeah. then it would send it out, and they would get the information I want from their the, the best way that they receive the communication. Because yes. I'm just like, oh, if I didn't write like, I hope you're having a nice day at the start of the email, they're going to think this about me. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that's such an I thing to think. Yeah, it's just it was really interesting. I had a really really good day. So thank you to I forgot her name from the TCCI. Nat. 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 Nat, yeah. Thanks yeah, to Nat thanks for uh, yeah for um, running the course. It was, it was really really interesting, and it's yeah given us an idea on on communication styles across our office. And um, yeah, it's what, interesting. What were your? What I was I was an S and an I. So yeah, he's keeping yeah. that. He's like, 
making us share. Yeah. No, they're good. <laughs> Keep it hidden. That's a so good bit about being on this side yeah, of the yeah. desk. So. <laughs> we've been on vulnerable shit. So we've talked about Trump, but yeah, if you yeah. if you want to know some I's and some S's in that space, we've got Robin Williams, there's mm. Jim Carrey, Richard Branson. Your Tom Hanks's, your Hugh Jackman. So basically, what do you? Yeah. The coolest yeah. people. The coolest people under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, one thing that I found it interesting, and we chatted about it a bit as well after, is it is that um, it really is a good way of understanding how each other, how everyone communicates. Oh yeah, because like the D always gets um, the dominant side always gets thrown under the bus a bit, but it's direct. It's getting things done element. Like it's, can we, can we get to the point please? And there's often this idea that, oh, they're not, they don't care. Was it? No, it's just want to move through it quickly. Oh yeah. And on the other scale, we, you, could, you could be received that as you're insensitive to me. He's like, no, I really care about you, but I don't have time to think about this. You know? Yeah, yeah. And to get us to where we need to be, we need we to need just to get hit this it. button and yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. If we were all indecisive and trying to like please everybody the whole time, would nothing would ever get done. Yeah, yeah. So, and I had we were just I recognised it with a client just recently where uh, we're going to be acting as a buyer's agent for him on, to find a commercial property, and he's just like, "Mate, we just get it done." So he like he he's the kind of guy the word is his bond. So if he says he'll do it or makes a promise, like that, you never have to worry about yep. it. But it's like, did you want to worry about a larger ribbon? No, no, just send me an email, send me the base terms, I'll say yes. And it's exactly what he did, you know, because it's just he gets it done. But the good thing is you could trust him to the end of the earth, you know, because um, he's got a good moral centre in that regard. Yeah, well, as you're saying that, this is a really interesting thing for real estate. Like your job is people. Your job mm. is communicating and working out the best way of kind of um, – getting a message from A to B through people and you're meeting people across the gamut. So mm. skilling yourselves up in this space is got to be beneficial to be like, oh, I ran into this guy the other day and like, man, like we were just on different wavelengths. Like we just weren't hitting yeah, yeah. this. It's like, oh, no, he just is a... No, it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's definitely something to think about, especially when you're mm. pitching for business. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if you're like doing your own natural style, for me being quite to the point mm. that may not be what someone wants to know. Maybe they want me to listen about all the little ins and outs of the property and, you know, take the time to really find out the backstory. But yeah. then you've got others that are very analytical and they just want the facts. Mm. They want, Yeah. Or like if I'm thinking about preparing marketing materials for certain agents, I can think of the ones where it's like, Oh, this, this will be ready tomorrow. Don't worry. Like we can still hit the button. No, no, no. All the T's and I's need to be dotted and sorted. It's like, all right, sweet. So next time I just remember, don't even offer that as a um, thing. Just say, we'll be ready tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, exactly. We'll be ready tomorrow. Yeah, We're all yeah. good. I don't need to give you the kind of mental strain of being like, oh, goodness, like, what do I do about this? Like, mm. we got this. Mm. We'll just be ready tomorrow. We'll be ready We're tomorrow. Cruising. And if, if you need my input, tell me exactly what you need me to do. Yeah, yeah. I need this. Okay, done. So basically we're expert communicators to, now. And then send it to John in multiple formats so he yeah. gets a message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, and, and do it through uh, multiple people at the same time. <laughs> so, yes, that's, that's been us for this uh, last little period. Um, post that, you head up to Launceston for BMX. It was state titles for I a did. young man. I um, went up to Lonnie on Saturday and Parker competed in the state titles, which... You know, does every year, but it's always fun to get away for the day. And yeah, yeah. Compete. And the results were pretty positive. Yeah, he won. Yeah, he won. Yeah, he won. <laughs> Best in the state. What yeah, no, it's really awesome. That's really, really cool. Yeah, no, he's pretty pumped. Um, He took it pretty easy. So he's, um, you know, he's in a group where he's quite fast. So he wasn't too stressed leading into it this year. Yeah. Um, 
Normally we have a lot of mainlanders that fly down, which makes it a little bit more challenging. But this year, nobody from the mainland flew down. So okay. pretty relaxed on the day. So yeah, yeah. Just get in, get it done and, and move on. Yeah, cool. But no, he loved it. He loves getting away and racing wherever he can. So that was up in Launceston, and the reason I wanted to uh, bring us there was that I had a segue to lead us into a Launceston ah, topic. So yes. thanks for that, Parker, for being <laughs> the state champ up in Launceston. You've uh, been able to let me talk about Ravenswood. Time to take a ride to Ravenswood. So looking this week, uh, Affordable Homes Tasmania has um, put aside a 100-lot residential subdivision plans for the beautiful mm. suburb of Ravenswood up in Launceston. Yeah, 12.4 hectares in size. Yeah. So quite a big piece of land. Yeah. So do you guys want to talk kind of to this and, and what this could mean for kind of social housing and, and getting a bunch of people into homes here in, in Tassie? Well, the Tasmanian government has been making promises to raise the amount of social housing that's being constructed so yep. that there are, is less strain on the rental market yep. uh, because there is a lot of people looking for homes at the moment. Uh, but it, I don't know. I think we've spoken about in the past, like they talk about a rental crisis, but it's more uh, an affordability crisis. Like, yeah. I think we have 20 homes available in our books currently at the moment. We have very few applications coming through on them, mm. but it's not because people don't need the properties. They just can't afford what the private marketplace is asking. Yeah. But if you talk to someone like Senecare, who we do a lot of work with, and they've got waiting lists with 500,000 people sitting on them. So mm. this is what that's helped. 500,000 people. Five hundred to a thousand. Okay, it's like <laughs> double the yeah. There's this so double the population. The entire state is wanting on their yeah. list. <laughs> Man, that is a list. But that's what's important about this is it's helping those families get into properties. Yeah, so helping ease that pressure, which is really good. So um, they're saying a hundred lots, um, ranging in size from five hundred square meters through to eighteen hundred square meters. So. Like always, trying to diversify between houses and unit complexes. And then I think there's also like um, 4,421 square metres allocated for like parkland and and um, and outdoor yeah. areas for not, people to just to have a community. It's not just like plonk, here's a bunch of buildings. That's it. And if anyone knows Launceston, they make some of the best parks in the entire <sighs> state. So who knows? Maybe another cool park will be heading that way. i got to say, I've been to like three newer parks here in Hobart in the last little period and I've seen that the... Is it not Gormanston Road? Um, Beyond the Moon of Sports Stadium? Yeah, that one's getting pumped up. The one out at Goodwood. Like, I know we've covered parks before on this bad boy and as a father of two young growing boys, soon to be another baby on the way, Mm. parks are a premium. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So, yeah, shout out to all the park developers out there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was curious. I'd made a little note to ask you this, Pat, because the one thing that seemed common against all the arguments across uh, affordability right across Australia is the government realistically just dropped the ball in producing enough housing. When you there was, when you look back in the 40s and 50s and even like throughout, there was constant developments around, you know, government housing. Yep. And the once they'd sold off so many and then just didn't replace it with building. So unfortunately, a lot of the um, demonization got put on the private sector, supposed, supposedly picking up the slack. Well, no, mm. it was just really bad planning. Um, but when I know you've been involved with a bunch of them over the last, you know, over, you know, 10, 15 years, but is it that they now change the way in which the um, makeup is broken up? So there's not just all renting, it's some ownership as well. Like how does, yeah, does that change so, the way they did that, didn't they? Especially in Southern Taz, they've been doing that. So the biggest issue with social housing and why they started to sell a lot of, of them off was because they were building, you know, a thousand homes in one area and making it all social housing. Yeah, sure. So then, like, the demographic moving into the area, there were arguments there were, like, lesser 
desirable outcomes. Yep. Um, and then that devalued the suburb as such. And so then certain suburbs got bad names. An example would be Chigwell would be one of them. Yep. Um, up at, so then they started to sell Chigwell off. Um, and there are still some housing in the area, but a lot of it's privately owned now. Mm. And slowly that name is becoming more acceptable as a place to live. So I think what they learned, in my understanding, from the, the sort of 70s and 80s is that, yes, we need social housing, but we need to mix it in with private housing as well. Yeah. Because then you keep the overall quality of the suburb up and you're not left with little pockets of, of run-down suburbs where nobody cares about the homes or where there's issues with sort of police and things like that. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so it's definitely something that I know they've worked in Southern Taz and like they've been building social housing right in the centre of Hobart as an example. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So we've got Elizabeth Street, I think, has got a giant complex and, you know, there's right through Hobart now it's sort of spreading social housing right across all suburbs rather than just putting yeah just one giant suburb and that's where they yeah, yeah i i yeah. think even on the on the article I was reading based on this ravenswood thing it just said something along the lines of oh another slum or like yeah. slap, slapping yeah, another yeah. slum here isn't going to fix anything mm. and it's like yeah look you can kind of um yeah amass a large amount of people and it could be a bad situation but yeah if you're splitting everybody up and kind of What's the one about the ships raising ships and yeah, the rising tide lifts off? Yeah, if you've yeah. if you've got the area gentrified into um, a bunch of different people from the community all across the area, mm. um, yeah. The, and I think the key is community. So what yeah, Bridgewater's exactly. been doing really well over the last couple of years is changing that community aspect and really trying to get the people that live there to own the suburbs. So care about it, like yeah. twenty four Carrot Garden, yeah. they're massive out there and giving back. Senecare's massive. They do things like Youth Week. They do community markets. Mm. Um, they have competitions going for best garden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, paint your front door scheme, which seems silly, but you know, if you have a, a nice painted fresh front door and fresh fence along the front, it just creates a better look to the street. Yeah, yeah. So there's heaps of community type events happening out there that help bring people together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and and then you know, the- Bridgewater once again coming back to those damn parks. They've got a great park out there, which <laughs> is drawing people into the area as well. Hundred so percent. I think it's um, important to get people to take ownership of. Of these properties, yeah, and get yeah, them to contribute back where they can because then that makes the the overall experience way better. Man, I think that, that if we could just produce as much social housing, um, I, I think we're lucky in this as a country and our, our values sense that we see housing a bit more as a right. I guess, yeah, uh, whether that's an argument or a debate, debate depending on how you want to look at it. But I think that's sort of the way our country's moved towards. And the if I think a lot of the um, resentment comes from a, the fact that a lot of people just get stuck in a really bad cycle of housing. Mm. And the thing is, you know, we've just we've failed that sector when, we, like, the, our governments have made promises after all these years, but we've just failed dramatically. So I think, like, you mentioned, like, oh, if a slum's not going to fix the problem, but I just think there's a real sense of difference of the way we're going to um, we see that moving forward yeah. than it used to be. But even, like, like we'd sold um, a house in Maple Avenue um, recently, and you look on the old title – Every single one of them was director of housing. Mm. So that whole street, you know, these old 1940s homes were all built by the direct the director of housing back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're all known to be really good, solid, classic homes. You know, mm. um, so I I think it's those kind of initiatives are really exciting. Yeah, no, look, it's really cool, and it's kind of yeah that idea of a hundred new homes in in an area that can be um, put people in in homes that don't have homes or are, are yeah. struggling. Yeah. Never a bad thing. Mm. Definitely. Um, before we go any further, Pat, I gave you some homework uh, 
two weeks ago, I believe. Yeah, and I totally got on that. I know, you said. <laughs> I got this, man. I got this. So if you were listening two oh, weeks shit, back. Shit, I knew this would come back to me one day. <laughs> so uh, John did his research maybe five minutes before and gave us heaps of info on top three tips for uh, sellers in spring. And I flipped the lid on you and I said. Is he sellers or buyers? I thought no, Tom was, was looking after buyers. I was buyers, yeah. <sighs> Come on, Aaron. What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm throwing. <laughs> all right. I I don't know when I'm wrong as a S or so an I or whatever. I was I'm. supposed to be giving three top tips to sellers. All right. So you have done some research. <laughs> no. No, cool. <laughs> come on. It's, we can talk about this. All right. It's well, easy. off the top of the dome, hit me with your three top tips for uh, sellers. I'm confused now. What are sellers. you? Sellers. Selling in spring. Oh, yeah. I do remember now. Yeah. yeah. John's. The buyer's advocate, you're so the sellers. We've already man. talked about it multiple times, but it's presentation from the street is the number one, number one number thing. One. And I don't think anyone could argue with that. Um, it's got to look good from the street frontage. Yeah, and that's you know your fresh cut lawns, your washed windows, your fence. You know, if your picket fence has got a few palings missing, fixing those little things. Yep. And most importantly, a nice tidy letterbox. Letterbox is important. I, I think it is. In uh, this no. modern day and age where like, no, no. letters aren't really that common and, you know. Oh, I've just sold some houses lately and, like, you got a rusty letterbox and someone's walking up the front pathway. It's not a good good look. So the idea is that first impression of being like, oh, if they can't even look after the letterbox, what else how are, are they going to look after you, the home? You want to feel safe walking up and knocking on the front door. Yeah. And a well-presented front does that. Okay. Yeah, so to me, that's the best thing you can do. All right, so first impressions matter is kind of the first bit of it. Yep. Make a great first impression by looking after the front of your home. Yep, and just get it looking polished. And easiest way to do that is to walk across to the other side of the street and look back at your house. Uh-huh. Pretend you're the buyer looking at it because most times buyers will drive past before they ring us. Yep. Because we put so much info online, they have everything to be able to go and have a look at it. So... Abby and I were a prime example on the weekend. We're not in the market to buy at the moment, but Grace in our office was buying a place and we happened to be in the suburb that she was looking at. So we went for a little sticky, you know, had a look down the driveway to see what the place looks like. Yep. And, you know, the, the first present matters. Yeah. Yep. So, oh yeah, this looks quite nice. I can see why this was attracted to Grace. Yep. Um, so that's probably the most important thing is to put yourself in the buyer's shoes and see what it looks like to them. I like it. I like it. Uh, second one. Hit me with number two. Marketing. Ha-ha-ha. Ah, my favourite topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah, you've got to get a good photographer to start with. Yeah. But the photographer and the agent need to work together because at the end of the day, the agent knows what the best features are. Yep. And the agent knows what should be focused on, mm-hmm. but they need the photographer to capture that correctly. Yep. So I was actually reading an article on you last night. I shared it with you. You did, yeah. Five tips for photographers. And I was looking through them and one that I didn't really think of that, they had in this list was actually featuring like some of the appliances that and making a point of inclusions that stay with the property. Yeah, yeah. So if you've got a high-end yeah. fridge that stays with the property, making sure that's present in the photos and yeah. like making a point that that's part of the sale. And um, they talked about photos of the community. Like I know some agents in Hobart do it where they'll have like five-minute walk to the local park, five-minute walk to this shopping centre. Like just bringing in that community into the marketing so people can start to imagine. Get an idea of, like yeah, what it would be like and how far is it from. I guess with lots of the drone photos I try and, yeah, we'll if there's that. a major centre and it's that tricky one of like do you put like the arrow pointing down so yeah. north route. Yeah, so to me you can have photos but they have like just any photo may not be the right photo. You've got to sell the story. Like I was at a property yesterday and there's no dining table in the 
living area, but there's a big giant hole where one should sit. Yep. Mm. And we were talking to him like, you know, you've got beautiful furniture everywhere else, but you've got this big void of nothing. We'd be suggesting we put in a digital dining table there. So, mm. yeah, which we might have talked about last time, but yeah, there was a one with a giant dining table taking up this huge space. It was like, oh, if this was shrunk down and you put a couch there and a smaller yeah. table, it would make the area look larger, more appealing, and kind of you've got two yeah. living areas this way. Absolutely. And the beauty of digital furniture mixed in with real furniture is it blends quite nicely. It, it actually almost yeah. blends better than when you've just got an empty room full of digital furniture. Yeah, yeah, no, it can. Mm. So they're the key things I think when you think about marketing is like everyone can say, I oh, will get a professional photographer in. But I think when you're talking to an agent, make sure they understand the message that they've got to pass on to that photographer. Oh, 100%. Because like yeah. some agents will just say, ring up the photographer and say, go photograph this property. But I think um, you need to be able to make sure that your agent understands what's important to you in those photos so they can pass that on to the marketing team. Well, yeah, I guess an example with that is recently Marilyn had the one that I was talking about where the um, owner had spray-painted the grass in an area to green to make it it more appealing. And they had a fire pit down in the the bottom corner and talking to the owner and Marilyn at the same time, she'd mentioned – Oh no, we're taking that with us. Like that, it was you know one of those ones with like the rocks and like it was mm. beautiful. It was like a birthday present for the right. partner. So I did get a photo of it. I edited it, and then I said to Marilyn, "I don't think we should include this one based on the conversation that was had with the owner prior to." That's Happy great. to put it in. Yeah. Um, I think the discussion was Marilyn had said we could put in fire into the fireplace digitally. Yep. And she said, "Oh, did you do that?" And I said, "Oh, I thought after our discussion." Um, Maybe, you know, not including maybe not including it. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't think of that. Yes, we probably don't need to focus on that in this because it's not yeah, part definitely. of the property. Mm. So, yeah, that to me is the next big step, I guess, if you're thinking about selling at the moment yep. is that you want to make sure that the 20, 25 photos or 10 photos that they put up are the right photos yes. that sell the story the best. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think a huge amount of people read text anymore. Like, and I know for a fact because I'll put in information in the text and then people will email me and say, how big is the block? I'm like, it's written in the text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they I'll, might not be a D person or an S person, Pat. They might be an uh, I or a C or a – so well, you've got to remember all this, mate. Well, this is why it's important to make sure you capture it in the photo <laughs> so that you don't have to worry about covering all bases. <laughs> so to me that's, that's important. Yep. And my third tip is to make sure you work with an agent that you feel comfortable with. Like um, I think any agent can sell a house in a market um, and in, or especially in a booming market. We're probably not quite in a booming market at the moment. So it's properly, probably important to make sure you, I guess, gel with the agent you choose to move forward with. Yeah, yeah. Like um, you've got to have an open relationship with them. You've got to be comfortable with them telling you what you don't want to hear. And you'll pick that up just by interviewing a couple. You'll know which ones you feel more comfortable chatting around. Well, mm. here we go. Back full, to that full, full yeah, circle. Yeah, that if, you, if you go to all the personality stuff, yeah. you might think that the friendliest and nicest agent and the person that you get along with like your friend is the best person to sell your house. But that might not be the case. It might be the opposite. Like, opposite. It might be this hard-edged guy who's just going to tell you like, Boom, 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 this is what you need to know. Well, we spoke about that in the training. Like there's no point going to somebody in the office that you know is the same style disc profile as you because they're just going to agree with you. Yeah. You've got to go find that polar opposite to be able to, you know, get a a different story. Yes. Um, And the more I thought about it is I did it unwillingly knowing that that's what I was doing because quite often I'll come up with an idea and I'll go and ask John and he'll have a completely different point of view. Yeah. And 
Sometimes I don't like those thoughts. I'm like, you're full shit job. (laughs) Which is probably 80% of the time. But in reflection now, I realise how important that is because it's just looking at it through a different set of eyes and it identifies issues that I didn't think of. There's that feedback loop thing where you can get trapped in if you're only looking up information in the same spot and it's the way that you can see all these fake news kind of conspiracy theorists. They're like, if we just stay in our little bubble of this is the... This is the way the world is. Yeah, you're going to keep so, getting the same feedback. Yeah, so anyone that wants an appraisal done by me, I'm happy to provide you my disc profile yeah. by your writing <laughs> so that you can see if we're a good fit. I <laughs> thought of this. I was like, if you were kind of trying to work on a, um, like, could you provide the <laughs> test to somebody and say, look, I might not be the right agent for you, but this guy might be. And it might be like a battle between <laughs> you and John to be like, look, we both could sell your house, but... You're according, probably going to have a better experience with... According to the raw data of our reports, yeah. you're better suited to John over <laughs> me. It would be an interesting approach, well, that's could, for sure. Yeah, it's something, something to think about. But Yeah, to me, that's very important is to know who's going to best work for you yep. um, in your scenario. Oh, when um, Dad is part of when he did the training, he will often say um, everyone says they want an honest agent until they get one. Mm. And it's 100% true, though, if you think about it, because mm. like the amount of times I'll win business and then when I have to go have the hard conversation with them, they basically will accuse me of lying or say mm. that I misled them. And I'm like, no, nope. it's not how this like, – and so I've learned to keep quite detailed notes so mm. that at a later stage when someone says, you said this, I'm like, no – I agreed with what you said and said we would try that. Yeah, yeah. But then that gets spin into I said that that would work. Yeah, yeah. So I quite, and I'm assuming you're the same. You take well, quite detailed notes now, so that later down the track. Well, l- luckily the we've got really um, nice clients for a property we're selling Glenorchy, and the you know the with the appraisal price we'd said um, look. I think it was um, five five fifty to five seventy five, and we said, "Well, look, based on what you want to try, happy to have a crack at that at the higher end, and we're going to steer away from you know a buyers. We're just going to do a fixed price, so, so the market knows where you're at, um, fully understanding that. Look, this is our advice. Are you comfortable? This is a strategy. We're going to be talking about this in twenty one days if nothing happens, and." We've kept all the, you know, the statistics, all the numbers, and then on that fine, um, when we had the break, they knew what was coming, and on the email, just really like conversation, then followed up in writing, is to say, here's the, you know, here's the range of our original advice that we all agreed to, and now we're going to be here's the the three steps scenarios, and now we're in, you know, scenario number three. So now the new advice is to adjust, and like, yep, got it, happy, done, and is that constant um, communication through mm. multiple ways that they could get the message so yep. that not everyone's going to be receptive in that way, but there was never me, there was never an argument between all of us. Yep. We're pointing towards a process. Yeah, it's definitely important to document that process, I guess, because yeah. um, too many times I learned early in my career is that that exact scenario, but I didn't have the evidence to back it up. And then mm. when I go to have that conversation, they're like, but you agreed that we would get 800000 for it. Well, yeah. actually, I didn't. My price was this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's... um. And it's it's frustrating too because obviously we um, you, you never want to have to sit there and be in a defensive situation, but we all get defensive if, if we feel like we're being attacked and being wrong, mm. and ultimately, um, and that's where a relationship can quickly sour. So it's trying to find a way of getting you know how do we get through each other's brain to you know hear the message we need to because often we'll all get defensive in those situations, you know. Mm. And as agents, I guess we try and take some responsibility of helping our clients see a path forward. Yeah. Definitely. Well, they're my three tips. Boom. Three. <laughs> How many fingers? <laughs> <laughs> three. 
three tips. We've three got tips from Pat. Boom. I can't even do it with that because my subject. <laughs> 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 Who would have thought we were all got weird things? Yeah. <laughs> what are the key takeaways from today? Yeah. Well, they've all done yeah. some weird things in their Star Wars characters <laughs> and uh, houses when Ravenswood will sell. <laughs> And we've got weird fingers. <laughs> you, you hear the hot takes here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Property Pod. If you didn't listen to last week's episode with Drew, jump back and have a listen to that. The week before that was uh, John Selly's buyer's tips. Why have I got that backwards in my head every time? I have no idea. Anyway, that's what they were. We've got plenty of uh, fun episodes coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, stick with us for the Property Pod. Like, share, subscribe to all those things. Thank you very much. Bye. See ya. You have been listening to The Property Pod, recorded and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Property Co. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek their news, their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment service. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information without first seeking qualified and professional advice.